COVID-19 on the front lines. Coming to you from the ReachMD studios, this is COVID-19 on the front lines. I'm Dr. Jennifer Caudill, your host, and joining me to discuss the effects of influenza and pneumococcal vaccines on the COVID-19 disease course in the pediatric population is Dr. Anjali Patwarden, a pediatric rheumatologist at the University of Missouri Healthcare. Dr. Patwarden, thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, we're excited that you're here. So what led you to explore COVID-19 infections in pediatric patients who had already been vaccinated for influenza and pneumococcal? So this is interesting. The viral interference was actually a known phenomena first discovered in 60s when people started thinking that the previous virus infection may be having effect on the ongoing future infection. And it was actually studied to some extent when influenza epidemic in 2009. And it was seen that actually the influenza A and B incidences got reduced that year of pandemic. And then it was studied and found out that it was due to viral interference. We got so busy in this pandemic that nobody got a chance to look at whether there is any correlation between the flu vaccine and the coronavirus. And In the clinical area, when I saw that patients mostly going into the ICU or having bad outcomes or even being symptomatic, were actually those who were not vaccinated with the flu vaccine in the concurrent year. And that prompted me to look at the statistics and the numbers where viral interference was actually happening. And can you help set the stage for us by explaining your study's design and method? Sure. What helped me do this study is the policy of the hospital because the policy was that they did disaster screening. That means every patient who needed inpatient admission got a COVID test and everybody who had symptoms got the COVID test and people who had history of exposure got the COVID test. So we got loads of COVID tests done during the COVID period. And this period actually extends We started doing COVID tests very early on, and that was in early March. And from March till the 31st of August, that includes the period when there were actually social distancing and there were no social distancing. So it gives us journey of the pandemic over lengthy seven-month period. And that, I think, is the strength of this study. And also, we only included those patients who were tested genetically, who were tested for COVID-PCR. And that's why we did not include suspected COVID cases or cases which only had symptoms and contacts but did not test positive. So it was the PCR positive COVID were included in this study. And so we did a retrospective chart review on all the patients who were seen in the health system and over this seven-month period of time. And we looked at the specific age groups. We looked at different parameters, including age groups, comorbidity, weight, and pattern of disease in different age groups. The youngest patient who tested positive was three weeks old, and we tested up to 20 years of age. So we had a very big pediatric population and early adults who genetically tested positive by COVID-PCR. And this was a retrospective chart review after the IRB approval were obtained. And we use the statistical methods to find the significance of different parameters 
And one of the parameters was that if these patients were actually vaccinated with the flu vaccine in the current flu season, we did not include the patients who were vaccinated in the previous years with uh, flu vaccine. And with that being said, Dr. Pat Warden, what results did you observe in these pediatric patients? So we actually saw that the children who were vaccinated with the flu shot in the current year actually had a better outcome. They were less likely to be symptomatic and less likely to have moderate to severe disease. We classified disease on a specific standardized criteria to define them as mild, moderate, or severe disease. And we collected data based on these criteria only. And we did a a covariate adjustments for race, sex, age, month of diagnosis, and comorbidities. And we found that actually flu vaccination was single independent factor that actually was correlated with a better outcome. For those of you who are just tuning in, you're listening to COVID-19 on the front lines on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and I'm speaking with Dr. Anjali Patwaran about COVID-19 symptoms in pediatric patients who had received the influenza and pneumococcal vaccines. Now, Dr. Patwaran, let's dive a bit deeper into the results of your study here. Can you explain what viral interference is and if this is why having the influence of vaccine may have led to lower odds of experiencing COVID-19 symptoms? Sure. So the virus interference is a phenomena which suggests that if a single host is actually infected or exposed to a viral antigen, and a host is again exposed to a second viral antigen, the first viral antigen prevents the infection by the second viral antigen through a phenomena called viral interference. And this is mediated by a substance produced by activated T cells, and that is called interferon. The interferon also goes on and produces another substance which is called antiviral protein. That's what is the name given in the most publications and so far by the scientists. And this substance also prevents the infection of the other non-infected cells with the new virus. So the initial virus that stimulated the phenomena of viral interference is not necessarily had to be a live virus. It can even be a killed virus like the flu vaccine. And flu vaccine is the only vaccine that we receive every year. So it's an annual vaccine. So it definitely can have effect on any ongoing viral pandemic or any ongoing other viral infections in the community. Okay. And did you experience any challenges in accounting for asymptomatic patients throughout the study? Well, asymptomatic patients have been the majority of patients in pediatric population, but I didn't have challenge because of the policy of the hospital, because they were testing so liberally and they had a criteria which was very broad who they will test and they were using very good testing methods. So every patient we picked up, we did not have false positives a lot and we picked up every patient who may or may not be symptomatic. So we got a bigger crowd of asymptomatic patients picked up in time. And we know that COVID infection is one part and one aspect of this viral infection. We now know that the MISC, which is a multi-system 
inflammatory syndrome in children is another aspect of COVID infection in children. And that is not because of viral infection. It's actually caused by the immune response of the body to the virus exposure. And that aspect of this viral disease has not been correlated with the use of previous flu vaccination. And lastly, Dr. Pat Warren, what do you hope to observe at the end of the 2020-2021 flu season? Are there certain data points between the flu vaccine and COVID-19 vaccine that you're looking forward to observing? Yes, and one more important thing I wanted to bring to your attention that this year the incidence of flu has been low. And that has been attributed to the social distancing, to less traveling, to mask wearing and all those things. I do agree that they all have contributed to the lower incidence of flu this year. But I was curious that the SARS-CoV-2 is doing a reverse viral interference and reducing the incidence of flu infections also in the community. So that was one point I wanted to say. And the other point I wanted to say that I went and looked at the HSS website and I saw that the incidence of flu vaccination is far lower in the communities like Black communities or Hispanic communities as compared to the mainstream communities. And I was curious if the higher incidence and the severe disease in Black communities and in Hispanic communities are also because of viral interference, because they have a lower rate of flu vaccination. Well, this has been a very interesting and timely discussion amid growing concerns of a twindemic. And I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Anjali Patwarden, for joining me to discuss her research on the effects of influenza and pneumococcal vaccines on the COVID-19 disease course. Dr. Patwarden, it was great having you on the program. It was a pleasure talking to you today. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and to access this program and other episodes in our series and to add your perspectives towards the fight against this global pandemic, please visit ReachMD.com COVID-19, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thanks for listening.